Welcome, everyone, to episode 301 of After the Credits. For a moment there, I had to remember what podcast we were talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm your co-host, Marina Antunes, and I'm really excited to bring the show back. And we have some new friends of the podcast. Well, some returning friends of the podcast? I don't know. I don't even, I should have asked when we started how we wanted to go. Melissa, why don't you go first? Oh, God, I don't even know what to say. Hi. No, no pressure at all. No pressure. <laughs> Hi, I'm Melissa McDowell. You may know me from previous episodes of After the Credits uh, annual countdown list listicles. Um, but it's been a while, so I'm glad to be back. Bill? Throwing it over to you, Bill. <laughs> uh, I'm Bill Harris. Uh, I have another podcast called The Green Screen of Death. We never record. Uh, <laughs> I'm... I'm kind of like the after the credits festival correspondent. I come on during VIF and talk with Marina about VIF and uh, occasionally do other stuff and uh, super happy to be here. And last but not least, Mr. Steve. Yes, uh, I'm Steve Stebbing. This is my first time on After the Credits. Um, although I do remember seeing you and Bill recording it the first time I attended VIF uh, at the International Village. I think it was after the Love Witch screening might have been. <laughs> I, I think. I was Marina was like, that thing was terrible. I hated that movie and I didn't understand what people's praise. I'm going off on a tangent, but I don't understand what people's praise for that movie. I mean, Samantha Robinson's great, but like, come on. I don't know. That movie just didn't have how, anything. How do for you me. remember that movie? I, I don't know. It's so vapid. Fantastic. Pro- production design, though, it yes. actually, yeah, it is. It is. Design. it is, and the flighty, the flighty, like really like hazy look to it that you're in some kind of a dream. That's I, I'll praise that. Sure, why not? I mean, that's where she came from, right? Yeah, so, yep, yeah. for sure. Uh, but yeah, my name's Steve Stebbing. Uh, I do, uh, uh, I review nationally in Canada for uh, the Shift with Shane Hewitt. Um, I uh, I do another podcast uh, with my friends Kurt and Taylor called Tremble the Horror Podcast, which is, as you can guess, a horror podcast. Uh, actually, which I'm recording today because I double booked myself. So I have two more podcasts to do after this one. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be here and uh, and uh, shooting, the, shooting the crap about movies for sure. That's awesome. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that uh, Steve is the most... Uh, the most uh, uh, What's the word? Professional of the the. the well, let's the not go that us. far. <laughs> well, I, I, I I would go that far, but hey, it's good to have you guys. And it, it was just it, honestly when I thought about this, I, I recorded the episode three hundred the other day with the row three guys, and I just I really like the long form stuff, and we don't do a lot of that with uh, Girls on Pop. So I thought it'd be nice to have like a different chat with some friends about movies, and so the way that the show is going to be. Um, focused is we're going to have a main review that we'll start with that we've all seen and can discuss and then we'll all talk about a few things that we've been watching and then we'll finish up with kind of like a a look ahead at the next couple of weeks and things that we're excited um, that are coming down the pike and then we'll be back next month with the same sort of general stuff and perhaps one of the things that we talk about later that we're excited about will be our main review in the next one but that's kind of the general um uh, flow of the show. So why don't we jump right into the mix and talk about this week's movie, which is <laughs> Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. I kind of feel like I need to insert trailer here. <laughs> this this trailer is so badass, and actually some of the social media marketing around the movie are is pretty pretty epic. But the very very basic premise is that uh, you have a failed writer 
and his wife who are on a retreat in a, the fictional country of Latoka, which is um, this basically falling apart country that, you know, rich people go to the very expensive resorts that are separated from the rest of reality. And then, you know, something goes bad and things just go terrible from there. We are going to get super spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, just be forewarned. There is nothing is off the table here. So you might want to listen after you've seen the film. And I did a really shitty job of explaining what the movie is about, but I think because we're going to talk about it in quite a bit of detail. I don't know who wants to go first. I saw this with Melissa. So we had like a very short, we try not to get too much into the weeds, but we did have a short conversation after the screening about what we thought about it. And we saw this on Thursday. So we've been sitting with it for a couple of days. Um, but I, I can start. And my general feeling is it's great. It's not even Brandon Cronenberg's best movie, but it's pretty solid. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you guys, what, what is your like general feeling on this thing? I, I think it's just it's another like uh, another step in in establishing Brandon Cronenberg as one of the go to directors because I I feel like as soon as I hear that he has something new I'm just like wait what something's coming and uh, I mean I don't even feel like I that really started with me after Antiviral but as soon as I saw Possessor I was like I am on board like keep throwing stuff at me because I am totally here and I would agree I would agree with you that that it. Infinity Pool is not his best movie. I think Possessor is because uh, even on rewatch, there's there's so many things that I keep pulling different stuff out of Possessor and I'm just like so fascinated by it. And I'm absolutely fascinated by Andrea Risebrow so, so much. Um, but Infinity Pool has one thing that the other three doesn't and that's the continued excellence of Mia Goth. Because uh, uh, and and I'll bring up the bus scene in in in, in particular in this film, where she James, like this whole thing is just unhinged. But I'm like, how much of this is Mia Goth being like, I'm going to try this, and, and Brandon's like, no, you can keep doing that. Or how much of it is like Brandon Cronenberg, like this is what I want. Like it it it, it blurs the line. I I feel between. The, the method style that Mia Goth obviously does and the direction and the script. Like I, 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 I don't see the disconnect. Like it's, it's crazy. I love you think film, she's though. a method actor. Cause that terrifies me a little considering the roles she's played. <laughs> I very much, I, I, at least between infinity pool and um, Pearl, I, I very much feel like she is kind of this method worker. Uh, especially when you hear the real, the real like, oh, I like pancakes with blueberries. Like this whole, like <laughs> this, this, that Mia Goth seems so far separated from uh, any of the roles that we see her play. Um, and I even thinking back to like uh, Cure for Wellness or, or High Life and stuff like, which are kind of like small showcases of her. But I don't, I, I mean, 2022 is, is the trampoline for sure for her. What about uh, Nymphomaniac? <laughs> That's oh. fair. That's fair. <laughs> but like, had to go, had to go there. Had to go there. Yeah, oh. Von Trier's is a different animal entirely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Bill. Uh, okay, I, I think I'm going to be the only person here. I'm going to be on an island here. Uh, I think it's a big step back. To tell you the truth, um, it's well made. You can't say it's not. It's a really good director. The the, the main actors are really good. The other actors, 
maybe not as good. Uh, and it, it has some really cool ideas, you know, like the, those masks, the the clones, the, the the nipples, you know, really good ideas. And uh, I, I just I wanted something more. Uh, it, 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 and I, I almost blame Sundance. This movie came out really hot out of Sundance, and they saw a different cut of the film. Mm. We saw a edited version of the film, and I. They talked about how hard hardcore it was, and I wanted more. Like psychologically, it's it's pretty cool, but um, and it, it doesn't always have to be sex and violence. It could, it could be like more more heady, and I think he's he's missing something here. But at the same time, I think it's I think it's a pretty decent film. But at the same time, I I grew up on like Haneke and Noe and Pasley and David Cronenberg. And I want you know Gaspar Noe electrocuted a kid in climax. Like let's go, let's go. <laughs> okay, well I think that it's fair to say that we're probably all kind of on the same boat because my feelings are exactly the same. I still don't. I, I had read something that he did have to do, have to do a cut to avoid like the NC seventeen rating. Do you want to um, know what it was? What was the cut? It was Alexander Skarsgård masturbating. Okay. Oh, oh, well, okay. So, but I mean, the thing, the, the reality is, I don't think that seeing that would have like added anything to the movie. I, what exactly. I said to, what I said to Melissa at the end of it is, I mean, there are a lot of great ideas, but there might be too many ideas in this movie and none of them are like fully developed. Like there's, like you mentioned, the cloning is really great concept, but it's not like, it doesn't all like go there all the way. Um, the whole thing with, you know, rich people going to and like taking advantage of a third world country goes there, but doesn't like really go there. Like none of it really, no, nothing is fully explored. And I think that's the problem with the movie. It's too many ideas crammed into one story or something like Possessor. It's one concept. Like this is the concept and this is the story that plays out. Antiviral, same thing. It's one concept and it plays out. And I think the movies are far better because of it. Like you, I think it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. It benefits from like two superbly talented actors, but it kind of falls flat other than shock value. And some of it is just kind of ridiculous. Like that whole rebirth scene. I'm like, I thought men beat it over the head, but this felt even worse. <laughs> oh, that that scene in Men is incredible, though. Come oh, on. that scene in Men, like, it's <laughs> yeah. incredible the first two times, and then it's just like, okay, uh, maybe stop at three. Oh, okay, we're gonna go like what a dozen times. I got it the third time. There was <laughs> like a woman, I, I appreciated it, but it was a the, little too much. There was a woman in my theater when I saw Men, who I think was like having a revelation from God during <laughs> that scene of Men, and she had to leave. Like she just ran got up and ran and i'm just like uh-huh. mission mission accomplished like <laughs> just incredible stuff I, I i saw the film with my friend trevor and i looked over at him and he's like in the fetal position <laughs> he's like draws feet up into the, the chair and i was like oh my god and i'm just smiling because i'm like this is insane this is yeah. this is like i mean this is one of a kind here like yeah <laughs> but did, did anything in this movie actually hit that kind of level no, no, not for me. No, even even him beating the dog version of himself into a to a messy pulp. Like we still have seen stuff like that before. 
Um, I mean, like some a- of the some of the 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 hallucinatory uh, sequences. I mean, as cool as they look, I mean, we've seen stuff where the, like you can even pull like Jodorowsky out of stuff like that. Like we've seen that kind of <laughs> shit before. But. I think the most disturbing the, the most disturbing scene in the film for me. I mean, aside from the nipple, which I mean, <laughs> if we want to talk about gross out, that's definitely the gross out piece. Um, but it was it was the kid the kid the mm. kid killing the double. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is that one was rough, and I think that actually did hit. Um, and especially when you see the kid again later in the film, like that was there, there I actually had a lot of um, ang- like anxiety about like seeing that child again and the, like the, that gleeful, weird, murderous look on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, to me, that was the most disturbing section I, of this film. I, I'm wrong. That part was also edited. Supposedly there was more stabby stabby. Oh. That place was, that part's hugely stabby though. I, know, I mean, man. if we're going to use that term, like, that scene <laughs> is so stabby. And I also wonder, like, okay, if we're cutting so much out of, if we're cutting a bunch out of this movie to to cut it down from NC seventeen, Mia Goth jerks him off on the beach, and it's a full like I've never seen a dick shot like that in in a movie in in like a, a regular like like theatrical film before. And oh wait, it, there was no dick. There was shot. no dick shot in this. In my theater. version, there in the one that Kate Parks at, at Elevation sent me, I have a full on dick shot. Oh yeah, we did. No, no the theatrical yeah, maybe, was not. I guess I got the full cut, and I'm I'm baffled to why Elevation would send out the full cut, but the theatrical version being different. So when I'm bringing this stuff up, you guys are like. What? <laughs> yeah, well, when you said full dick, I'm like, wait, I clearly yeah. remember that edit, and it There's, was definitely no dick. Yeah, right on the beach, and and full to like ejaculation, like he shows ejaculation on camera, and like the drip into the sand, like it's. I was blown away. Like I was like, what? In the theatrical version, it cuts away. It you cuts get away. The drip into the sand, but that's yeah. all you get. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I. Yeah. I am so baffled to why the, my review version was was oh my god maybe because I know critics are are <laughs> more are more inured to that kind of uh, sexual what? content on screen. I, I, <laughs> they didn't I, I guess. Want to put it in the theater in case they get a bunch of Karens. I I, I guess, <laughs> but like, what if I put that in my review? <laughs> and then everybody's like, "What dick? What are you I came for, for Skarsgård dick." Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I just that scene after I just thought of that orgasmo thing, thing uh, stunt cock, <laughs> <laughs> stunt cock. I love it. Oh my god! Oh. So, so it, it's actually two minutes of the film was cut. That makes that's sense. The, that's the number. That makes yeah. sense. And was the breastfeeding in the in, in your oh, guys' cut? <laughs> okay, I read an article that that was one of the scenes that was cut down. Was the breastfeeding scene? No, it's there. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, it may have been edited slightly, but it's definitely still in the theatrical right. cut that we watched. There yeah. is some of that because it's a good forty-five seconds, at least. I I wasn't timing it. Yeah, um, yeah, but it, <laughs> I I thought it felt pretty long. It like, is I, long. <laughs> yeah, to the point where I was like, "This is really unnecessary." <laughs> like, I get what you're going for, hence the whole men thing. Oh, like, no, the whole rebirth, uh, I understand. You're wrong. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I gotta get me some of that. <laughs> Smoke that shit. Fuck me a goth. Like, it's good times. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
the only thing I could think of when I was watching that in the theater was what a weird profession acting is. Hey, (laughs) right. And like, how do you can, how do you get into that mindset? Especially if I mean, like Mia Goth is now she's kind of like in that horror mindset now. So how do you get into the minds of these characters for, for however long and then get out of them? Like, especially going from X to Pearl and the quarantine period of COVID and all that kind of stuff and living in the minds of these characters and having Ty West call you all the time with weird shit and then get out of that and then get into the mindset of your new character for a new madman, Brandon Cronenberg, and then go back to normal. Go back to raising your kid with a child of buff. Go back. You know what I mean? Like, like weird stuff, man. I like how Skarsgård made a very, like, made a point to say that that was a body double in that scene, by the way. <laughs> he was very, like, quick to point that out. And I'm like, why? Just go with it, dude. Yeah. That's me. It's all me. Yeah. Beginning to end, all me. <laughs> I mean, the guy was on a dog, was wearing a dog collar on the red carpet. Like, he has commitment. He will commit to anything. So why not commit to that? Yeah. I'm still pissed you saw the uncut version. Yeah. I feel the jealousy. I feel it. I feel it through the screen here. At two minutes. It's just going to drive Bill Harris crazy. Well, it'll be, it'll be on VOD in a week. Unrated cut. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember those like in the the mid 2000s stuff where every D, every DVD was coming out? It was like unrated. And it was like literally like maybe a 20 seconds added to something. And they're like, yep, we're selling that cut. Yeah. Yeah. Both cuts. Yeah. Get the extra, get both cuts for yep. those 20 seconds. You're watching, you're like, what was that? It? Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I did I miss something? <laughs> the, only the um, editor knows. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I will say, though, uh, Steve, you bring up a really interesting point. And I, I had seen something else with Mia talking about how horror is uh, marginalized for a lot of actors. And it's not um, something that's looked at as. I don't know, as highbrow as everything else, like that it doesn't require as much work, which I think is really an interesting concept because if anything, it actually asks for more from the actors. I mean, you really having to imbue these characters that are generally really unlikable. And then, I mean, in this movie, no one is likable except for maybe Cleopatra. Uh, She's probably the most like, normal person in this thing that you can maybe relate to everyone else is really just kind of sleazy and gross mm-hmm. even she's not great though i mean no she's, she's obviously not. like she's born into money yeah she married yeah. a guy to piss off her dad like she's not yeah. super likable either frankly. well this is it like no one in this yeah. in this f- movie is actually like a really great person like everybody's very very black it's not great um, and that I think if there was one scene that I really, really liked, it's that final, final scene of them on the bus mm-hmm. where like he's he's completely like, I've been fucked. I'm who am I? And they're like, oh, did you pay the guy? He sent me another invoice before we left, like for vacation. It's like they've already disconnected their back to their regular life. And I think that's an interesting um, commentary. But again, I don't think it goes far enough. So that for me, it was a movie of a lot of, near near getting there i I don't want to say near misses because they actually they do work they just don't 
fully deliver. I think the pro- I think the problem because it's interesting. I was reading an I was reading an interview with with Cronenberg about the film, and people were raising the whole like rich people suck narrative, um, and how this kind of fits along with Triangle of Sadness and White Lotus, and like all of these things that are coming out now. Um, uh, you know, showing how blood-suckingly horrible rich people are um and he was and he actually said like that's not that was not the primary theme that i was going for and as he said that i started to realize like really this is i feel like this is like maybe brandon's cry for help and that <laughs> i think this is about the creative process like i think this is about that kind of reinvention destruction of self that is sometimes required by artists in order to 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 make new work and like and if that's the case i kind of feel sorry for him because i (laughs) feel like he's got a lot of shit going on um but that's if you if that's the lens through which you read the movie i feel like it's a lot stronger of a piece than if you're reading it as the rich people suck narrative i think but i but the problem is the movie as it's presented that it seems to be the predominant theme um, whereas I think if you're looking at this as like a commentary on the creative process and the like breaking down of self, um, reemerging as a new artist, creating new work, um, that sort of creation out of violence theme, um, I think it's a much more interesting film that way. Yeah, you actually bring up an excellent point, and that actually ties really well to the fact that the main character is a writer that's trying to reinvigorate his career because he feels like he's not good at what he did like that the first book was kind of just a a, a, a fluke mm-hmm. and a fluke that nobody really read and a, ne- and a nepo baby uh, a sort of a nepo baby situation because he wouldn't probably have been published if he hadn't been dating the publisher's daughter oh uh, yeah a lot, lot of yeah. similarities with daddy for sure that's an excellent excellent point it's pretty funny that um, you make you make the class thing a comedy, and you get a best director, best screenplay, best picture nominee. But if you fuck it up a little bit, you make a two million bucks at the box office, and you have an unrated cut coming to VOD in two weeks. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, if I had to pick between the two, I would watch this over Triangle of Sadness any day of the week. I- I'd, I'd watch the first hour and a half with tra- Triangle Sadness over this any time. Oh no! Oh no! You didn't like that first. The, you didn't like the, the first. The first hour and a half is so incredible with an audience. Oh. I've, never, I've never seen an audience lose their mind like that. See, that's the disappointing thing is I have watched Triangle on a screener at, at home, and you you guys probably got it at VIF, right? Which is a completely different. I saw it. Monster. I saw it at home with my husband. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw it with two thousand people in the center. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, a far different experience. Like, I watched it with that my wife, great. who had no idea what was going on. She's never seen an Austin film before either. So I'm like, oh, we got to watch The Square after. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, why would you do that to her? I think I'd go, I think I'd go force majeure first, dude. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, we're, going, we're, we're going full on. We're going full on to the monkey stuff. I uh, know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I mean, just just all up until the dinner scene, she was like, "What's going?" Like she was really laughing during the the model thing, and I think it's really funny that Ashton Kutcher backed up now that that's exactly what the model what modeling is like that whole Abercrombie and Fitch thing that they're doing. Um, but yeah, she made it all the way through to the to the 
the essentially the shipwreck and then she had to go edit and stuff but it was like she was like this is insane i'm like you should see the poster <laughs> <laughs> oh man but does does the class stuff in this film actually work i don't think it's as i, I don't think it's as heavy as a I don't think it works as well as Triangle. I don't, but I, I think that's the point is I don't think he was, I don't think that's where he was aiming. And so like what's that problematic reading. about it is that like, what's problematic about it is that us as a viewer going into this, that is immediately the read because that's the context in which we're watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but it doesn't fully deliver on that. Whereas I think, again, if you're like reading this as like creative process, I like, again, like all those, all those people that go back to talking about their invoices at the end of the film. <laughs> I, like, I know a lot of people who are artists who are incredibly envious of other people who seem to make work that seems effortless mm-hmm. and that they can like pump out movie after movie or book after book or um, painting after painting. And there's no like pathos and angst and like this horrible like reinvention process. And then, so it's just like, part of me is just wondering if it's like Brandon Cronenberg going like, this is a, this is horrible for me. It's awful for me. It is like killing myself over and over and over again to create new work. And I have all these friends who just turn out a movie a year. <laughs> yeah. That, the, the scene with the ATM was pretty good though. Interesting scene. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also really like how like Mia Goth, even by like praising his book, oh, I loved your book and always back to your book and then destroys him with, with the book stuff at the end. It's like, it's it's such it's such a crazy antagonization that you don't know is happening. I and I I think that's also got to be about uh, directors being approached. Oh, I love your work, and and the hell that or or the different experiences that they may have gone through in making what is now perceived by that person to be their favorite work. So yeah, I don't know. There, there, there's definitely a lot of self tell in this one. Well, I, I also wonder too, like I like I also pick up threads of commentary on like the sort of men's rights kind of bullshit movement in here too, right? And that like toxic masculinity, like that whole like that is how she feeds into him. It's like, oh, you know, y- women like your wife make you weak. Um, you know, I love your book. Like, oh, it's going to take blood in order for you to become a real man. Like all of that kind of bullshit Jordan Peterson messaging <laughs> that that some men pick up on, you know, and then and then it becomes really clear that she's just been playing him all along, just like the men's rights movement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought like some of that was was kind of was kind of cool as well. I, I already said I'm pretty much a cheap date. Just give me some of that that hallucinogenic shit, and I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> Put some shit on a branch, and I'm good. Smoke it up. Yeah, inhale deep. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna make you feel like you're gonna puke, but you know, yeah, whatever. You get used to it. It's better the second time around. Yeah. I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more I kind of like it. I still don't like it as much as Possessor. Yeah. When, when you're doing direct comparisons, I mean, it's it's tough when you make such an incredible movie. I mean, like, George Miller pretty much just went made, you know, Fury Road where everyone's like, oh, just losing their minds. And then he makes 3,000 Years of Longing and they're like, eh. You know, so it's like, I guess you're always going to be judged by your previous masterpiece. 
Yeah. Uh, in in sort of preparation, I also rewatched, surprisingly, both Antiviral and Possessor are on Netflix. For those that didn't know, <laughs> I thought I was going to have to take the, the 4K off the shelf for Possessor, but I didn't need to. Um, and I was really impressed by how well uh, Antiviral still plays. Um, and I was surprised that that movie didn't play better when it came out. Uh, mind you, it's like 10 years old now. It's hard to believe that it's been a decade. Yeah. And it took him like eight years to make another movie, which is even more shocking. Um, so the fact that this came so quickly, I think, is nice, though it sounds like he's been developing it for uh, quite a number of years. But I'm with Bill. I think this is not maybe so much a step back, just kind of like a fizzle in comparison to both of those other films. Because I, I, for me, Antiviral is still a better movie than this. This is definitely third on my list of Brandon Cronenberg movies. If I had to, All right, yeah, I would agree with you. Marina, I don't. I don't think this is as strong as the other two. I loved Antiviral. I loved it when it came out. I thought it was such a brilliant concept, like that celebrity worship culture. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, just such a so smart. This movie also was missing that like incredible score and soundtrack the Possessor had. That soundtrack just slaps. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. but I, I will. I will give praise to uh, Kareem Hussein though for just shooting so gorgeously again. Like the man is never, never mails in a single shot. Like everything looks incredible at all times. And a lot of that mask work in this movie, just, it's just so stellar. And, and like, especially in the convertible when they're driving and stuff, I just, I love some of those shots. No, I mean, I, I will say the movie looks amazing. Like Mm -hmm. the cinematography is beautiful. The set design is gorgeous. The, the costuming is fantastic. I even love the the title sequences at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. I think are really really beautiful. The design, the the language design is gorgeous and looks totally unlike. It looks more like Klingon than anything else. Like all of it, I think like the world building is interesting. It's just like some of the messaging just doesn't work for me. But thinking the more I think about it from like the lens of the artist, as Melissa points out the more I start to think, okay, well, there is more stuff here that works, but in the end, it's still not fully satisfying for me. I mean, I, the, I see the disjointedness in the stuff, the the many concepts matched together, and some stuff that doesn't even come back to it. Like, James hitting that guy on the street, everything leading up to that, the, the, the headlights and all that stuff, like, it felt like there was something more to that, and then there just wasn't. Like, it was just simply an accident. You know, even she says, like, you fucked this up for yourself. Yeah. Like, I didn't even really have to do anything. You're just such a catastrophe that you just <laughs> made all this shit fall into place. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, there sh- felt like there should have been more entwined in the mystery than there was. Any other final thoughts? Um, I, I think the thing that I, I, I want to say is that I will watch any film by any director when they try something, just keep on trying stuff, man. Uh, you know, try to push the limit, always try something new. Uh, and as, as long as I keep on hearing that name, I'll keep on coming to see his movies. Cause there's always something in his movies that I'm going to be like, okay, that's gonna be really cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, a, not a perfect film. It's not a great film. I think it's just a, like a, a three out of five all day kind of film. Like I, I liked it. Just didn't think it was great. 
and a bit of a step back. What's that? Um, yeah, and I, I wish I, I actually wish there were more um, funders and producers and studios that thought the way that Bill does. <laughs> <laughs> because um, oh, yeah, I know. we need, I mean, we need, we need more experimentation in film. Um, uh, and, and, and part of me wonders if the reasons that this film suffered a bit were because of that, because of trying to fit into other neat little boxes and trying to tell a story that was maybe not the story he was actually trying to tell. That's a very valid point. <clears throat> Anything else before we move from infinity pool? Well, I, I I think I liked it a lot more after I initially watched it and reviewed it on Letterboxd, and I think it through discussing it here, I might have dropped it a half a star from my four out of five, but I'm still kind of hovering around there. Uh, a couple of loves. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, I will say I did really enjoy it. It, it was not a disappointment, and I'm like you guys. Just try something new, and Brandon mm-hmm. Kohlberg is never going to disappoint in that department. Like, it's always going to be a... A mindfuck, I'm sure. I, I also have, I have a feeling that he's never going to make a a, a a coach taking a high school basketball team to a championship kind of movie. You know, it's always going to be kind of fucked up. The body yeah, mutilation championships. Might, yeah, yeah. I mean, he may make that movie, but it's going to be like they're going to have an accident on the way, and like some body devil shit's going to happen, and you know, somebody's going to die. Did you kill the actual? human or the do the the double it'll I, be something i like that, that we was know the that coolest question in the whole movie it was too. the coolest question yeah i like that it too. also got dropped that was the other yeah. thing that sort of yeah got it's dropped. true yeah. it's true i i like that we know he's a cronenberg but he's not exactly david yeah <laughs> thank goodness for that too sometimes nepo babies can well, do their own work <laughs> well okay this one quick thing before we move on comparing crimes of the future and Infinity Pool. Infinity Pool all the way. Infinity all right. Pool. There we go. All right. <laughs> the original Crimes of the Future is really fucked up. This, I mean, I don't think this, the the remake was any better, to be totally honest. <laughs> I saw it in a theater um, by myself, so. <laughs> I can't remember how I watched that. Uh, now that you mention it, I, I don't remember how I went to see that. Yeah. I don't remember if I saw it theatrically or if I saw it at home. I saw a press screening in Vancouver, and it was just like one big giant room of what the fuck. <laughs> was, I, was I at that screening, Bill? I don't. Remember. I don't think you were. I don't think you okay. were. And then he ate a big piece of Tupperware and left the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Choices were made. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so okay, Melissa, why don't you hit us up with uh, something else that you've watched recently that you liked? There are one or two things. What, what do you have? Oh well, okay. So Friday night, I went to the Rio to see Jason Eisner's new movie, Kids vs. Aliens. Um, oh. And I have to disclose, I am a giant Jason Eisner fan. I adore him. I loved Hobo with a Shotgun, and Treevenge is my Christmas movie. Like, it is the best Christmas movie, and if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube, so you should watch it. There's no excuse. Um, and it's like eight minutes, so it's totally doable. Um, so, I, yeah, I was super excited to see this, and there was supposed to be like a Q&A with Eisner and some cast members following, um, but Jason actually couldn't make it, so he record, like pre-recorded a little video that they played before the film, and then there were a couple of the kid casts went up and did Q&A after, which um, I was with a group of people who did not want to stay for that, 
Uh, so we opted for beer instead of discussions <laughs> with young teens. Um, <laughs> but the probably film, probably a good a good selection. I would thought. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the uh, the film very similarly um, was not quite up to snuff. Like this, I would not put this on a hobo with a shotgun or turbo kid level. Um, but still a lot of fun and I'm never going to be mad at that like 80s do-it-yourself practical effects kind of feel, lo-fi feel of his movies. Like I really enjoy that. So um, so it was, it, was, it was good fun. There were lots of laughs, some, some fun gore. Yeah. I, I do like his approach to filmmaking and it does feel like this, like do-it-yourself don't really care what anybody else thinks kind of, but I mean, they always look good. That, that's they're what I fun. love. He always managed to, he always manages to deliver and they're always he, so much fun. Yeah. He re- I mean, he really gets that eighties aesthetic and it was like, so yeah. in the, the video that played before the film uh, started, he's, he said like for him, this was like a real nostalgia piece um, that this kind of is his story. Cause the main characters are a group of kids who, um, who hang out trying to make their own movies all day. So they're like filming their own wrestling scenes and drop kicks and like all of this stuff. And, um, and he said that was totally him and his friends and his brother and sister. And so a lot of the film for him is just like reliving his own childhood, which I thought was, was quite sweet. So yeah, there's definitely like kind of elements of like Goonies and stand by me and like some of these like eighties kind of kid, kid movies. Oh, I'm glad to hear you had fun. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. It reminds me a little bit of that. Um, um, there's a movie that came out like last year or maybe, yeah, I think it was last year. It was like a, some indigenous teens taking on aliens. They looked like really like the creature design was really crazy. I didn't see, I didn't get to see that film, but it kind of, like seeing the trailer for uh, kids versus aliens reminded me a little bit of that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the indigenous film either. I did hear really good reviews of it, yeah, but I haven't se- I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess sim- similar. Except in this one, I would say it's the older sister who actually is the kick-ass hero of this movie, which is sort of also awesome. Yeah, I mean, now that. I want to know what that indigenous film is. Yeah, I totally forget um, what it's called. Look, look it up. Skin something. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, I saw it. Uh, it's good. I just don't remember the title of it. I am uh, blanking too. Did Everybody- you know that um, that they they've released um, a Jeff Barnaby scholarship for Indigenous oh. filmmakers working in horror? That's awesome. No, but it's about time. Yeah. yeah. What an incredible filmmaker he was. That yeah, was uh, that was that was a kick in the teeth, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sucks. Yeah. Uh, Bill, what do you have? Uh, I, I watched a bunch of stuff, obviously. That's just what I do. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a couple here. Uh, the new M. Night Shyamalan film, uh, oh. Knock at the Cabin, is actually okay. pre- pretty good. A, no, I, no, no. Can't be. Can't be. I thought it's, for sure we dodged the bullet by not watching this. I think he got slapped around for old. Because this doesn't feel like an M. Night Shyamalan film. Like, this feels like something he didn't write. It's just he filmed it. It's very straightforward. It's his most straightforward film ever. It feels like a studio film. Uh, you see the trailer. These people come out to his cabin, 
and tell these people something and stuff happens, not going to ruin the film for you. And uh, Big Dave is awesome. Everybody loves Dave Batista. He's he's becoming a pretty damn good actor. Uh, It's a really good looking film. M. Night has an incredible funny cameo in it. Made me laugh so hard. Uh, It is good. Uh, It's better than I thought it would be. I thought, oh my God, he's putting out a film in February. It's a dumping ground film. It's going to suck. It doesn't. So he didn't write it? So he didn't write it? I think he might have, but it it feels like it feels like he got slapped around a little bit after old. It's 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 based on a book. Uh, the book is by Jeff Jeff Tremblay, I think, the who wrote the book, um, and then he wrote the screen. He adapted the screenplay from it with two other writers, I believe. Um, and yeah, I, I got to concur with with Bill on this one because um, I had a really low bar set, especially after old, which has possibly one of the worst scripts I've ever seen on in a studio film before where everybody's introducing themselves and telling what their occupation is in every freaking sentence they say. And it's just, just bad, 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 bad film. The only thing I can give is the twist was kind of cool, but the rest of the movie is just awful, awful. So I had, I was in like the bar was in the basement essentially when I went into this film. So yeah, I I really kind of enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was funny that one of the strangers um, I w- have currently been kind of binging through her latest series, Avenue Five. So to see her in a more dramatic thriller, I was like, "This is weird." I just kept keep telling, keep expecting her to say, "What's wrong with the ship?" At some point, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, um, yeah, Batista's incredible. It's so weird because I don't really watch Servant, so it's so weird to watch Rupert Grant in a in a a role like this as well. Um, and I really like Mindhunter, so Jonathan Groff being in this too was was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I think if I'm really expecting to be disappointed, it's a good thing for M Night because I'll probably like his movie. It also it also now has the. Uh... The, the prize of being the film that knocked Avatar off number yeah. one in the box office after seven weeks. Cameron's probably Somebody so had to mad. do it. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> okay. So I will not reluctantly. I will. I will eventually get to this then. I got one. Good. I got one more. Just oh, yeah. What's, a shit. That? A shit one. I got to go with this oh, one. No. Uh, you know, every week Netflix is going to put some crap out. Okay. Let it be the one that I think it is. I, hope I it put is one on my list. And, uh, I got sucked in by Star Power, and I hate not, that. Clearly, not the one I watched. Okay, go for it. If, you, if you're going to call Jonah Hill a star, oh, that Uh-oh. movie. But was I wasn't. So but, weird. I, but, but I wasn't there for Jonah Hill. I was there for Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. The, film is, the, the cameo, the cameo that Eddie Murphy does. Yeah, she's actually pretty. He's in it for a while. Not really. Uh, uh, the way that they 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 mainline that movie as the Eddie Murphy movie, and he's <laughs> like not really his movie. But it's uh, it's called You People. Uh, it, it's quite possibly going to be the worst film of the year. It's like every choice that was made, including Jonah Hill's look. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking on that, but he's kind of got blonde hair with like blonde eyebrows and like a dark beard. He's always wearing like tie dye sweatsuits and it's really weird. Uh, the film is awful. Uh, uh, it doesn't, it's supposed to be this like hip race relations film and it just falls flat at every little thing. 
Uh, so from the trailer. I didn't I know. I was sucked in by Star Power. I watched it too. I watched it too because I thought, well, the idea is interesting. And the whole thing is just so awkward. Like every scene, Dan and I are like, is it just us or is this just like it feels awkward? Like, how do you edit this and not realize that there's something wrong with your movie? Like every scene is just like cringy. Like super, super cringy. Yeah, I yeah. Really work the, out from the cringe in this, it's <laughs> yeah, it's so, so bad. bad. Yeah, and, there, and there's some other actors in here too, like Julia Louis Dreyfus, who I always really like. She's also super awful, cringy. Awful oh, in this film. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> and uh, David Duchovny is stoned through yeah. the entire film. <laughs> he was just sitting for sure, just, just sitting there on the couch going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> getting paid, getting mm-hmm. paid. I was so disappointed. Yeah. I'm like, where is David? There's like yeah, right? with David. Uh. <laughs> and then like late in the film, Eddie Murphy's in a car with his like, a brother, I think, if I yeah. remember. It's played by Mike Epps, who shows up in class to place up a little bit for about five minutes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I like you, Mike Epps. Like You're Mike awesome. Epps. I miss yeah. you from those like getting stone movies in the nineties. You're awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's just like who on Netflix watched this film and went, yeah, let's greenlight this. This is this is star power. It's part of that Kenya Barris deal that they made. <laughs> they they signed him they signed him and Ryan Murphy to big deals around the same time. So Ryan Murphy excels with his deals. However you say about Ryan Murphy, the guy just keeps putting out hits. And Kenya Barris has made a series that I believe is about himself, because he's the main <laughs> star in it, and then this movie and it ain't going good. Well, it's just, it's not going good at all. But it's weird, but because if you look at the internet zeitgeist about this, there's so many people that love this movie. And I'm like, I would like to crawl in your brain for a second and figure out what about this movie appealed to you. Because for me, the only thing that worked, and sporadically, was some of Jonah Hill's lines. Every single pop culture or the culture things are thrown into it as like weird bullet points. Um, Sam J plays his podcasting partner and every scene where they're podcasting, I was so frustrated as being a podcaster because they're all talking like this to each other and not talking into the goddamn <laughs> mic. What? Haven't you gotten this by now? This, this medium has been around for so long. Like get it right. Yeah. At the very least. I, I mean, I will say I, I didn't, I, I love the costuming for me was like the best. I, I, I want, I want, I want that Snoop Dogg the Dog Father shirt. Dude, yes, I want all of it. I want all I the want. sneakers, all the shoes, all the outfits. Give me all the clothes. But the movie itself, yeah, I just it just doesn't work. And I, for the life of me, I can't figure out who could watch this and think that yeah, this is great. Like it's just so bad. And okay, fully admit, white girl here. Maybe I'm just not like old white girl at that. Uh, maybe I just don't get it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not in the conversation. To me, it just felt just really awkward, cringy, and just pointless. Like mm-hmm. it didn't actually say anything that it felt like it should be saying or meant to be saying. And maybe I just missed the point. I don't know. But I, I'm with you, Bill. I, I yeah, don't. I don't know. As the, the the ring is really small. I'll just say it's a Holocaust ring. Oh. God damn. It has zero basis in reality for a single second either. Like true. There's <laughs> yeah. not a single real moment in that movie to be had. Yeah, no, very true. Okay, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah Hill, man. Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. So real. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Steve, what do you got? Um, I actually, the la- last week, I got to catch up on a couple of movies that uh, really, um, really did well in my mind. Um, one of them is an Oscar nominee that I hadn't caught up with it yet for Best Foreign was Close. Oh, and so good. Holy <sighs> crap. Cried that, so hard. The movie annihilated me. And it's, it's, it's bad because like I sat in a theater probably uh, less than a month ago in an empty theater and cried my eyes out watching The Whale. Like just to the point I was so happy that there's nobody else in the theater with me because that movie just it just kept hitting me and, and poking me to the point where I'm just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like to the point, like the credits had rolled for a bit. I'm like, I got to compose myself. I got to compose. Like I got to go into reality now. Right. And close felt like it did the same thing to me because it's like this film about a beautiful, a beautiful friendship between two boys. And even the mom, like this, this very, like, like the title says, very close relationship. And, and this love that has no outside, outside judgment and, and in sexuality, there's nothing like that towards, towards this relationship. There's just two boys that understand each other and love each other. And then the school and, and peer pressure and what other kids think just destroys it. It absolutely destroys it. And I, uh, it, it brings into context maybe old friendships that 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 I have had as, as a kid or a teenager and, and and grown apart on and stuff and it just it just kind of makes you realize a lot of stuff within yourself and then the tragedy comes out with it is just a sledgehammer to your heart to there's just you're just paced there's nothing left and and I mean even some of the some of the scenes uh, with the mom later in the in the like towards the end of the film is just they just keep wrapping you up in it and you just you just want to get into a blanket cocoon and die after it. <laughs> it's such a sad movie. I watched that the following day after w- Women Talking, which oh I had that reaction to. Yeah, and it, it, I was broken for two for like a week. <laughs> Definitely for two days, maybe longer. Well, and then I followed it up with Alice Darling, <laughs> which is uh, Anna Kendrick's uh, new film and Honestly, the greatest performance from Anna Kendrick I've ever fully, seen. fully, fully agree. Like I, that final scene with the boyfriend. Yes, that that was like I'm like, okay, this is how you do a movie about abuse. Well, absolutely, and it's so good. And and I I really love supporting cast. I, I I'm spacing on the on the names, um, but uh, one of them plays Tannis on uh, Letter Kenny. And to see her in a dramatic role really, really got me. And, and especially her dynamic with, with Andrew Kranendrick for most of the film, I thought was so fascinating. And then um, there's another actress. Uh, she was on the uh, David Simon series, uh, We Own the City, recently, which is really freaking good. Um, she is really great as well. But just the archetypes that they play as her friends, I thought was so fascinating. And, and watching Kendrick's journey as... A, a woman in an abusive relationship, um, but like to solely her kind of owning what situation she is, she's in and how to escape it. Um, I thought was so well portrayed and I didn't realize until the credits rolled that it was Mary Nighy that made this film, which is Bill Nighy's daughter. And I'm like, Oh wow. boy, yeah, keep going. Cause this, this one was fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, th- I love were- that this, 
I, that's a really great pick. And it's a movie that sort of was floating around pre end of the year, which is when I saw it. And I'm glad that it's finally getting a bit of attention because I'm with you. I think it's very understated. And I, that's one of the things I love the most about this movie is because a lot of movies about women in abusive relationships are very like overly dramatic mm-hmm. and everything is blown up to like 13. And this is so understated. Like everything is just like played at like a four. But it's so quietly, like, heartbreaking to watch. She is so good in this movie. Yeah. And it's really not dialogue heavy at all. No. It's very visual. Very visual. Very sparse. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I I dug that for sure. Oh, excellent pick. That's great. Um, I've got uh, three, but two are very quick. So, Bill, when you said Netflix movie, uh, I thought the one that I watched that I'm like, okay, I need to talk about this because this movie was terrible. Jungie. Was fucking terrible. Oh no! There was a South South Korean the South Korean robot yeah. movie. Like it looked so good. The trailer totally sold me on it. I'm like, oh my god! It's like Terminator from Japan from South Korea. No, it's so bad, so so bad. I I can't believe I watched the entire thing. I really am shocked I didn't turn it off. It's terrible. However, um, Sang Soon Miao is wonderful. She's fabulous. Give me more of her as a superhero. I'm here for it all day. And then, Bill, I think I texted you 10 minutes into a man called Otto. And I'm like, <laughs> how is this movie actually good? Can somebody explain this to me? It's Tom Hanks, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is. It's the show of Tom Hanks. I can't. I love the sweetest version of yeah. that movie. And I cannot see Tom Hanks as a curmudgeon. Like, I just can't. I, I don't. I probably I need to watch the movie, but I, yeah, I, dude, I give your, the mental block. I, I am totally with you. Just give yourself into it. Like five minutes in, I legit text Bill. I'm like, how is this movie working for me? <laughs> like the opening scene is Tom Hanks at a hardware store buying rope. And he needs a certain amount of rope, but it's not the amount that they're going to charge him for. And he has like this whole big thing about the principle of the rope <laughs> and how he only wants to pay for what he's getting. It's quite funny. And then they call over the manager and she's like this 18-year-old girl and he's <laughs> You can just see it on his face. He's just, I'm done with this world. This is crazy. It totally works. It's super charming. It's so charming. It does actually work. He needs, and then, um, sorry. He needs something to wipe the taste out of that weird performance in Elvis. Just, I don't know, for me, just a weird, weird performance. Just, he has not had a good year between no. Elvis and Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I didn't even want to think about that one. Oh, dude. It's so bad. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He needed this. He needed this. I I think I I really, really like this movie way more than I thought I would. (laughs) And then the other movie that totally surprised me, for whatever reason, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to give myself over for the three hours or whatever it is of Blonde. Oh. And oh, my God. I I actually really like this movie (laughs) a lot. Uh, I mean, I understand, um, like, some of it for me goes far way too far like the whole all like all of the in utero in body like some of this camera stuff is just like what were you thinking like this this is just way too esoteric and doesn't really work and it just feels like too much but the themes of the movie i thought were really really fascinating and it really got me thinking about um like these concepts of a stardom and like especially in in the case of Marilyn Monroe, um, like control and even that 
whole era of Hollywood, this concept that women were just basically tools that were controlled by men to do whatever they wanted them to at whatever cost. Like it just did not matter. I think that there's, and the more I think about it and the more I read about the, the, the book that, cause I've never read the book that this is based on. So it's based on a, uh, Joyce Carol Oates novel, which itself is not a bio, a bio, a biography of uh, Marilyn Monroe. It was like a, she used Marilyn as a way to like break down the concept of celebrity. So, once you start looking at it from that perspective, I think it plays much, much better. I think it's actually detrimental to the film, the fact that it has like a Maryland connection because half the time I was like, well, did this actually happen? Like, and, and I think it, it kind of grays the movie because overall, aside from some scenes that I think are super problematic, I actually think this is fucking genius. Like Andrew Dominic hits again, as far as I'm concerned, this is so good. I had a little bit of different thought process on that film, so maybe I I could talk about that film for a while. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was shit. Uh, <laughs> it's made by it felt like it was made by a guy who just absolutely hated women. I'm I'm sorry. It's just that's just my thoughts. Really? Yeah, I, and I, I love and I love Andrew Dominic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse James might be my, a top ten film of all time for me. I love that film, and I'm the only person in the world who likes killing me softly. And um, uh, hi, um, hello, okay, hello. all right, cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Jump on the jump on the island. Yeah. Jump on the island. I'm there. Yeah, exactly. The only thing good about Blonde is added to Armas is incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but, no, but it's just it's just like let's just beat her up some more. Yeah. Well, see, and I for me, I didn't see it that way at all. Like I, I, I. I, I thought it was a really, I, I didn't see it as a hating on women. I actually saw it as a, a, a really damning observation on what women go through. Yeah. Like, like the, the, just the female being in a world that's dominated by men. It, I, I really do think that it's problem. The, like the Maryland thing I think is super, super, super problematic, but I don't know, like the more distance I get from like the, that concept, the more I actually like the movie. Like, I I think the themes for me, the themes that he's playing on and perhaps the fact that he's a, he, like maybe this would have been better directed by a woman. Like, I don't know, like tackling the themes that it's tackling, I think are really fascinating. And I really, now I'm curious to read the book because I, I really do think that a lot of that came from, Joyce Carol Oates. And I mean, she is a, a writer that has always um, played in that sandbox and played with those themes. And I think the fact that I know that it's based on that also colors the way that I look at the movie. But for me, it's been un, unjustly uh, overlooked. I, I really do think this is really good. I think at some point, maybe 10 years from now, we're going to come back to it and go, okay, well, maybe there was something to that movie because it, it's good. Well, you're selling me on watching it because I've been avoiding it for exactly the types of reviews that I've heard, not just from Bill, but um, from others, that it was incredibly misogynistic and really painful to watch. Oh, it's Um, not. And it is so not an easy watch. Like it is hard, hard. But I think he's coming at it from. um, I don't think he's coming at it from a through like a misogynist lens. Like to me, that's not how I read it at all. It's a movie about um, about misogynist experience, but not 
you don't think it's that's that's how yeah for me that's how i see it and i mean and it's interesting because the the further the movie goes like is it's really long like so it feels like it's so intense like it's so draining by the end of it and it gets worse as it progresses to the point where like halfway through the movie she's like hardly ever dressed like she really just like becomes this piece of meat that everybody oogles whereas even when she's walking around the house she's basically always nude and it's hard like as you start to process that like she just becomes like inhuman she's just like this object and I think that's also really like it just adds to the the themes I think of the film. Yeah, I, to me, I think that the reading of it has been really misinterpreted, and maybe I'm wrong. But that's I would love another female opinion on it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try and I'll try and gear myself up to watch it for the next podcast. <laughs> mentally prepare, mentally prepare. I'm warning you; it's it's a hard watch. It's a hard watch. I think we're all allowed. We're all allowed to have our opinions right now. It's all good, <laughs> I, 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 and you, and you were able to explain why you liked it and why I explained why I didn't like it. Can't all your be opinion, able to say, Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Uh, well, guys, what what's coming down the pike that you're really uh, looking forward to in the next couple of weeks? Anything? It is like February and March, so usually, like Steve said, the dumping ground. There's three movies coming out in February. Oh, that's it. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm not joking. And one of them's a a, a remaster. Oh, the uh, Crouching Tiger. Yeah. Well, yeah. four. There's another remaster too. Which, which, oh, uh, Titanic. Titanic. Uh, we don't even. I don't even need to 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 go there on on Titanic because. Like I, I literally don't give a shit. I just is it, is he doing something to it? Is he like no. adding no forty four seconds of Rose not getting giving her life preserver to Leo or listen, some shit? Listen, he has said that he has reevaluated <laughs> yeah. the size of the board and that Leo could have fit. We've already had that discussion from the man himself. Let's move beyond that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I want him to add is a replay super slow mo of when the guy bounces off the propeller. That's just, <laughs> Come that like, just have like a jackass, like extra, like, oh, like just to do it again and again and again and again. Cause <laughs> that's, that's the best part of the movie for me. <laughs> Titanic, the 25th anniversary now with more Billy Zane. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> flipping tables <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> But you nailed it. The twenty, the movie is twenty five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, you know what's really scary? I remember the day. I think I, I saw Titanic, and then I went and saw Beavis and Butthead do America uh, the same uh, day, it and was, it was glorious. Which one resonated more? Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, I thought <laughs> that movie's genius. It's so funny. It's yeah. holds up too. I I watched the Blu-ray when Paramount sent it to me, and I was like, "This is still great." <laughs> so I had always win. So after you know, after Titanic, there's Ant Man mm-hmm. and the Wasp, Quantumania. I'm marveled out. Everybody else can go. I don't know if I can watch this one. I just marveled the fuck out. <laughs> uh, after that, that Thor movie, I was just like, uh, I don't think I can do this anymore. 
The the turtles really killed me. Okay, well, you're also wrong on the turtles, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, say I I like Paul Rudd for life, so I'll watch it because of that. I am so not on the Marvel train. I am a DC girl to the bone. That said, I'm very, very curious to see how they do Modok, because that's a fucking weird-ass character. I mean, they've got a lot of weird-ass characters in in these comic book universes, but that one is, like, really weird. I'm curious to see how this is performed. Like, how are they going to do this? <laughs> With Patton Oswalt. Dude, there's only run, one reason to see the Ant-Man movie. And as sad as it is, pain, it, Paul Rudd. it pains me to say Paul. it's not Paul Rudd. It's what? Jonathan Majors. Like, come yeah. on. This is the beginning of Jonathan Majors, a huge year for Jonathan Majors, like commercially, because we've already loved him independently and all that kind of stuff. But this is going to be a huge year for him like on the biggest scale because i mean this creed 3 um the bodybuilding movie he did yeah that's gonna hit huge also looks crazy yeah so yeah. this uh, i mean and well deserved like it's it's about He's time to give this guy his flowers because yeah. he deserves it yeah and and there's only one movie this whole entire month that everybody Oh my God! Magic Mike? No, 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 no! He's gonna say the one I think. <laughs> Cocaine Bear. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that looks so stupid. I don't even know where to start with that. It looks like a multifaceted, like Quentin Tarantino multi-storyline movie, all centered around a cocaine-fueled bear. And yeah, I'm here for it. Directed by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, it looks like it's going to be Snakes on the Plane. Mm-hmm. Like, we all watched that and like, oh, that sucked. But there sure was a pretty fun couple months before it. Uh, I don't know. It, it could be fun. Yeah. So, if it's violent, it'll be good. It looks like it's violent. Like, he does. Bl- the bear snorts cocaine off of a severed leg in the trailer. So nice. It like, it'll be fun. <laughs> And it's got it's that pretty g- hardcore. It's got if there's a- no violence in a movie called Cocaine Bear that's about a coked out bear, I would want my money back. Yeah, absolutely. I, honestly. Absolutely. It's Brother and, Bear 3. And and yeah, for uh, for Melissa, there's Magic Mike. Uh, uh, no, that was the Marina pick. <laughs> is Magic Mike Because let's be fucking awesome. Let's be honest. It's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh is back with Magic Mike. It's going to be great. Magic Mike Sal- wanted Salma, Salma Hayek. This is it. Channing Tatum. Okay, so you've got like the holy trio Salma Hayek, Channing Tatum, and Steven Soderbergh in a movie together in Paris. I'm in. Give me all of the dancing. <laughs> wow. Magic Mike 1 is, a, is an absolute masterpiece. I love that film. I think it's incredible. Magic Mike 2 is dog shit. It is not You're dog not wrong. shit. No one. Uh, Even no, Melissa agrees, wrong. Marina. Even Melissa agrees. No, I with both of you. At a certain point, it's just eye candy. This third one this is, is just going to be eye candy. It's not going to be a good movie. I mean, it's not. But it's going to be fun to watch. Mm, I don't know. I disagree, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I can do all those dance moves. Uh, so, uh, and I everyone listening right now is sad that this is not a video yeah. podcast. <laughs> I'm standing right now doing that uh, to some dance to My Pony by Genuine. Is that who yep. sits that song? Genuine. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> all <laughs> all the magic. All the Magic Mike movies have to have my pony in it, right? I think that's the prerequisite. Yes. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is 
a little too late, but uh, on March 3rd, uh, Creed 3. Yeah. I love the Creed films. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's directing it. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Majors looks like a beast in that movie. Yeah. Holy. Sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> Some of those beach shots. And I was like, holy crap. He could, like, he could tear 12 phone books in half at the same time. <laughs> it's pretty, cr- it's looking pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead. No, you go. I was gonna take us on another tangent. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have like that was my movie was uh, Magic Mike. So, like, I have no, nothing else I'm looking forward to other than that. I was gonna take us on a tangent too, and it was actually about Melissa. So, <laughs> you, you go for it. No, you go well, for it. Okay, uh, I guess I'll put a kibosh on that. Um, so I just wanted to bring us back to the the earlier conversation about the um, indigenous film about that was uh, the kids versus aliens yes. take. It's called Slash Back. Slash Back, yeah, yeah. Yeah, slash slash back released in 2022 and uh, filmed in a Callaway. So yeah, oh. uh, I definitely need to track down this yeah. movie because I've heard yeah. amazing things about it. I want to find it because the creature design is crazy looking. Like some crazy work in that. So yeah, I, and it looks super original. Yeah, I'm all about that for sure. Did I watch that on Shutter? You might have. Sounds like a Shutter. I one. think yeah, I'm gonna have to check. Think I did. Yeah, I'll have to check that one. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. Um, the only thing that I could say for for February um is I'm gonna be uh watching uh One Fine Morning this week for review. I uh, I you guys might have already seen it. Um, yeah, it's getting, yeah, it's getting its uh, limited release the, uh, next week. Um, but I also picked up the uh, the Criterion edition of Bergman Island, which I've never seen. I love so, Bergman Island. So, Honestly, yeah. I love Bergman Island more than One Fine Morning. I, I, the thing about One Fine Morning that's got me is this Lea Sado. Yes. And I, I deep, deep, deep love for her. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm going to do the Me and Hanson love week, I guess. That's 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 my plan, and then yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp and, and Cocaine Bear are my other choices. So okay. something that I just found out recently about Bergman Island was that it wasn't an initially supposed to be Vicky Creeps in that role. It was supposed to be um, uh, oh, why am I blanking on her name? Directing Barbie. Oh, uh, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Thank Whoa. you. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be Greta Gerwig, and then there was like a conflict, so she had to she had to pull out. So Mia Hansen Love actually reached out directly to Vicky Creeps and said, "You're the only other person I can think of for this oh, wow. role. Please take it." Um, so yeah, so oh. I would like to rewatch it, thinking about how different it would be with Greta Gerwig, because yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. to me, like Vicky Creeps is perfect. Now, but I just think she's like luminous and i would watch her read a phone book on on screen so i haven't seen it so apparently okay. i need to fix that okay okay can i get weird now okay go for it okay let's go through letterboxd looking at all your guys' stuff just to make sure that i was getting everything covered and you know maybe there was something we could talk about and i i noticed that uh until recently uh Melissa was a Heineken girl, and now she's a Pat's Blue Ribbon girl. Does she know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. <laughs> Does anyone else? Probably. Does anybody else? 
Is Anybody? It, uh, blue velvet reference? It's a blue velvet reference. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa just for the first time last week saw blue velvet theatrically. She had never seen it before. Wow. It's, honestly, wow. it's one of those movies I literally, I always thought I had seen it. I think because I'd seen clips of it or, and I just assumed that I would have watched it. Cause I was like, when I was like 14, I was obsessed with twin twin peaks, like obsessed. Like I bought the books. I did every, like all of that. Um, so it really shocks me that I never saw blue velvet. Like it like totally shocks. Like I, I really did assume that I had seen it earlier in my life and then um, went to see it at the Rio uh, last week, the week before and realized I've never actually seen this whole movie before. <laughs> and I love it. I loved it. I was like, oh, man, I've like really been depriving myself all this time, thinking I had already seen this film. But <laughs> Kind of the, uh, the quintessential Dennis Hopper performance. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit. Oh, Frank. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin, you know, David Lynch, you know, in his, in his like, incredible period. Um, Baby Laura Dern. Laura I love Dern. Baby Laura Dern. Baby Laura Dern, yeah. Paula yeah. Rossellini. Uh, yeah. There's an ear on the ground in the <laughs> opening shot. Yeah. You know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm, I, that's cool that you, you finally got to see it. Uh, is there anything else in the in the catalog? Have you seen Wild at Heart? Yes. I have okay. seen Wild at Heart. I've seen Eraserhead. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm worried that Bill's going to be creeping my my uh, huh? my letterbox for a <laughs> movie. Like, yeah, <laughs> what what haven't I seen that I probably should have seen? <laughs> but I'm sure there's probably there there's a whole shelf. I had this discussion with uh, Ashley the other day. We had to move a bookshelf, and which meant taking everything off the shelf because otherwise it's too heavy. And when I reorganized, I noticed that there were a number of films that I have bought over the years that I haven't actually seen. And I put them back and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a note. So I have a little note on my phone of the things that I need to see that are on my shelf that I've purchased that I haven't actually watched yet. <laughs> and I refuse to share what some of those are. They will creep up onto letterboxes. It's my entire collection, man. They're all sealed still too. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know. I just, I, I have a problem. <laughs> I at least open them. I do have a copy of Possessor, which... Oh my god! It's like velvet and beautiful. Oh, it's so nice! It's so nice. <laughs> no, I and, and yeah, I'm silently judging from afar all of your letterbox accounts. So uh, I figured. What are your four, Bill? What are your four? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I do letterboxed so badly. I literally keep a note on my phone, and then I do it like a dump into letterbox every couple of days and sometimes like if the movie is memorable it'll actually get a snippet otherwise it just gets a rating and then moving on to the next thing i'm like i don't have time for this it's hilarious too because i didn't want to i didn't want to rate infinity pool on letterbox because i didn't want you guys to know and, <laughs> and, know. I'm like, and i'm like on my other podcast i could give a flying shit what adrian thinks about my ratings so i just <laughs> rate it anyway like I just did, yeah, it was funny. And, and Melissa wrote, I, I can't do this because we're doing a podcast and we're going to be talking about it. I'm like, oh, 
I guess I can't too. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't even mark it as watched. It's just on my notes. See, I didn't even know that you were creeping my letterbox to judge me on the podcast. But I somehow in the back of my head I knew you were creeping my letterbox to judge well, me on the podcast. That's why I didn't put any of my infinity pool notes well, in. Now now you know, and knowing's half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So now we all know that we're all going to be creeping each other's letterbox. This is going to get really awkward really fast. Oh my god! (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) I I honestly just don't really care, but I do. I I am starting to pay more attention to letterbox this year. That's the goal. Since I've basically given up on Twitter altogether, I got half some social media. (laughs) Fine, letterbox it is. Anything else before we uh, wrap things up for today? Uh, I wish I was in Vancouver tomorrow to watch the uh, Roger Mooley movie. The Van City's having a Roger Mooley retrospective, and they've got three left. They've got uh, Bahubali one and two, and RRR. Oh, nice. uh, still left. RRR is so good. They played Ega last week, and Ega is my favorite uh, Roger Mooley film, where the guy turns into a fly and <laughs> causes havoc. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, I. I, I wish I lived in Vancouver for the film. I swear, some like they're having a, a retrospective at Cinematheque right now with thirty-five millimeter prints of Guy Madden films. I did see that. Very, he's very hit or considered very hit or miss with me. But uh, some of those Guy Madden films are actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but Cinematheque's closing for a month. Mm. For uh, they're doing renovations or something, right? Yep. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, yeah, Van City's killing it in. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that's about it for me. I don't go to the movies, so you know. <laughs> I really like the new like studio theater at VIF too. I have to say, like I went, I went to see um, all the Beauty and the Bloodshed in that tiny little studio theater, and it was what a film! What a film! Uh, uh, that, yeah. yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that doesn't walk away with the best documentary Oscar, I'm going to be very surprised. No doubt. I can't remember what else is nominated, to be totally honest. Now I'm going to have to look. But that's the one that stands out in my mind. Yeah, sure. That's just such a brilliant film. Remember. I mean, both both of them, Laura Poitras and, uh, and Nan Golden, both of them are just genius artists. And so not shocked at all to see a brilliant collaboration between the two of them. Yeah, I really like Laura Laura's work as, uh, like a lot. So... <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Uh, you can come on by etcpod.ca. We'll put show notes, timestamps, all the good stuff in the show notes. Uh, where can folks find you between now and the next recording? Um, I'm on Twitter at the Steve Dad. I'm also on uh, Instagram under the same. And I think my letterbox is under Steve Dead as well. Uh, and then I am on the shift of Shane Hewitt every Thursday at 11 p.m. Pacific time. That one's across Canada. And then I'm on Tremble the Horror podcast every week. And I think the week, this week, uh, we're covering brain damage. And then next week, nice. we're doing Frankenhooker. We did it in a Lauder double feature, <laughs> which is what I'm recording in five minutes. Oh, <laughs> Let's wrap this shit up, guys. <laughs> Bill, Bill. Uh, Twitter, Letterboxd are at SoundJab69. And that's about it. I don't really do socials. So, uh, and Grease for Your Death podcast. Our top 10 show should be coming before June, 
I think. Uh, if, if Adrian watches some movies, but to look forward to that. And this has been fun, guys. Melissa Melissa. Uh, well, I'm, I'm on Twitter as at Melzy Tweets, but I'm almost never on Twitter. So good luck. <laughs> find me on the next, on the next ATC podcast. Woo! Pretty much. And uh, you can find me at the Marina One. Uh, same on Instagram. And we'll link to everybody's socials in the show notes as well. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. So until then, have no idea how we're going to end this. So we're just going to wing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where's the stop button? <laughs>